0: So thank you, uh, thank you for coming and for joining us this morning for this uh, discussion with uh, Paul Ross from the uh, IMF, mission chief for Afghanistan. Paul has uh, have major responsibilities, including macroeconomic and financial sector surveillance and policy design, program negotiations, which is where I know him uh, from and his work with uh, with Afghanistan, and technical assistance in low- and middle-income countries. So he's worked on a wide range of countries, including Afghanistan, Burkina Faso, Haiti, Armenia, Pakistan, Kazakhstan, Egypt, Indonesia, Russia, and Turkey. So a very, very experienced uh, partner in the international community in one country are working on finance and economics. Before joining the IMF, Paul worked in the London Investment Bank, S.G. Warburg and Company. Uh, he's a UK national, attended University College, University of London, and Columbia, and we're we're very fortunate to have him here today because he's just back from a meeting with the Afghan government in Dubai. So he has uh, very fresh and up-to-date information to share with uh, with all of us. So, Paul, welcome. Thank you for thank you for coming. Okay. Thank you very much, Jim,
1: and uh, thank you to you and the Atlantic Council everybody here for coming this morning and uh, giving us the opportunity to talk a bit about the IMF's work uh, with Pakistan, uh, excuse me, with Afghanistan. Um, I'm going to try and use the PowerPoint, um, maybe to a few chapters, technically. Um, let me start with an outline of the presentation that I'm going to give today. Um, first, I'm going to start out with a few key messages. Um, second, I'm going to discuss what happened to the Afghanistan economy last year in 2014. Third, um, I'll discuss and explain some of the features of the recently approved uh, staff monitoring program of the IMF with Afghanistan. And then uh, I'll conclude uh, in the fourth part with just a few uh, ending remarks. So, let me turn to the first part of my presentation uh, with the key messages that I'd like to share with you today. Um, first of all, the IMF is a committed partner. It remains committed to close engagement with Afghanistan, uh, to improve and develop the Afghanistan economy, to support economic reforms that the government and the central bank are pursuing, and to assure continued donor support. Uh, and to strengthen its economic institutions. The Staff Monitor Programme will strengthen economic performance by maintaining macroeconomic uh, stability, accelerating structural reforms, and assuring uh, continued donor support. Um, third, successful implementation of the Staff Monitor Programme uh, will pave the way for a regular IMF. Uh, financial arrangement. And it would also create a strong track record of implementation of economic reform and good economic management. Now, I'd like to turn to the second part of my presentation, um, which looks at, looks back at last year's economic performance in Afghanistan. It was a difficult year for the economy. in Afghanistan yesterday, last year. Um, Security challenges were very abundant and were more abundant than earlier expected. Uh, There was a lot of uncertainty around um, related to post-2014 security arrangements and the role of international forces. And last year, as you know, the international troops withdrawal uh, was going off. Second. the political process threw up new challenges that were not expected. The presidential elections took longer than was early expected, as did after the elections, presidential elections were completed. The formation of the new government took longer than was expected. Um, these political and security uncertainties and challenges um, could um, negatively affected. Economic confidence, and as a result, (coughs) economic growth slowed down last year. At the same time, the slower economic growth led to the emergence of economic vulnerabilities, particularly affecting the budget and affecting the banking sector. As I noted, you can see how growth declined in 2014 compared to earlier years. Further, this lower growth which was also associated with a lower level of imports into Afghanistan, resulted in a decline in budget revenues last year. Nonetheless, macroeconomic stability was maintained in large part thanks to continued generous donor support from international partners and the international community Uh, And in this period last year, the exchange rate and international reserves remained broadly stable. And as you can see from these charts, inflation remained low, it was around 4% last year. And international reserves remained at a comfortable level, uh, equivalent to over seven months of imports. But as I've mentioned, vulnerabilities did emerge although macroeconomic stability was maintained. The deteriorating loan performance in in the portfolios of some banks in two cases led for the the capital positions of those banks to deteriorate significantly, and their capital positions fell below the required minimum levels. Also, the lower-than-planned budget revenue, which I mentioned earlier, um, together with continued spending, led to a severe erosion of the cash position of the Treasury and the incurrence of domestic payments arrears. So that's a very brief summary of what happened in the Afghanistan economy last year. Um, and now I'd like to turn to the third part of my presentation, which is about staff monitoring program. <clears throat> First, let me um, try and demystify some of the IMF jargon. What is a staff Monitoring program? How is it different from other programs that the IMF has? Um, The staff Monitoring program, or SMB, SMP, is an agreement between IMF staff and the member country authorities to monitor the economic program that the country itself (coughs) has elaborated and prepared. These SMPs are used to design a track record of policy performance to show that the country uh, is managing its economy uh, well and that it is embarking on and completing economic reforms to build the strength of that economy and to foster broad-based inclusive growth. Now. Um, what are the principal objectives of this staff monitor program in the case of Afghanistan well first is to address these banking and fiscal vulnerabilities that I mentioned had emerged last year and to do that one mobilizing more budget revenue uh, will help to ensure that the budget is is in better shape financially and that the government can pay its bills on time and not incur any more arrears, as well as repaying arrears that recurred last year. Second, um, to address the weaknesses in the banking system that emerged last year, so that banks are in a stronger position to contribute to economic growth. Um, Also, uh, the program targets continued low inflation, uh, low debt, and a stable picture for the macroeconomy. The program also contains structural reform targets, ambitious yet achievable ones, so that the process of structural reform continues and accelerates somewhat uh, from last year. Uh, Moreover, the IMF and other international partners uh, will be providing uh, capacity-building assistance to strengthen economic institutions in Afghanistan. And this will help to support the implementation and the success of the program. As I mentioned uh, earlier, this SMP will build a track record of policy performance and economic management of the new
2: government and the central bank. And it will also serve to catalyze and continue
1: a high level of donor support to Afghanistan. Now, how does the s work? On the specifics, um, I'm going to discuss them a bit in the next few minutes. The, the s and and its components are designed to increase the self-reliance of the Afghan economy and help build its prosperity. The period covered by the Start Monitor Program is, is nine months. It started in April and will run through at the end of this calendar year. The performance under the staff monitor program will be monitored through quarterly quantitative targets and structural benchmarks. Two reviews of this program are planned. One will be based on June outcomes, and the other will be based on outcomes from December 2015. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about the macroeconomic framework. that is underpinning the staff monitor program. As I noted earlier, continued macroeconomic stability is envisaged. Um, A pickup in economic growth is projected from the low level of last year. Inflation is projected to remain in single digits. Um, The budget is projected to be in balance after taking into account the generous level of grants that international partners are providing. And debt is projected to remain at a a low level of around 6.5% of GDP. And the Comfortable Reserve cover, which is over seven months of imports, is also projected to be maintained. So the macroeconomic framework provides a stable base for the economy to operate. And that macroeconomic framework is supported by uh, fiscal and monetary policies. The fiscal policy under the staff monitor program is designed to mobilize budget revenue, to repay the arrears that were incurred last year and to manage um, expenditure carefully. Um, Revenue in, in this year is projected to increase both due to the impact of new measures to increase revenue and measures to improve tax administration in order to improve compliance and reduce leakages in the tax system. The new revenue measures that will be introduced this year, that are being introduced currently, will both add to revenue this year, but they will also help to build revenue over the medium term, which is very important because Afghanistan has very large security and expenditure needs and therefore it needs to build up its domestic revenue capacity to finance those needs. Um, Expenditure will be managed carefully um, to avoid new arrears, as I've mentioned earlier, and and to allow some rebuilding of the cash position (coughs) so that the government has a reasonable buffer for its operations. Also, a set of contingency measures have been pre- prepared, both on the revenue side and the expenditure side. In case budget execution is not in line with what's projected, those measures can be deployed quickly to ensure that the budget does move along the track that the government is planning. Now I'd like to turn to monetary and exchange rate policies that envisage climate the staff monitor programme. Reserve money remains the monetary anchor in Afghanistan, and monetary and exchange policy is designed to maintain low inflation, to allow some exchange rate flexibility to protect the international reserves position and maintain and preserve competitiveness of the economy. Now I'd like to talk about the structural reforms um, that are planned under the staff monitoring programme, and they can be thought I'll of. Dis, I'll discuss them in three groups. One is those that affect fiscal performance or the budget. The other is to those that affect the financial sector, and then last, those that affect economic governance. I'll start with fiscal reforms. And in addition to mobilising domestic revenue, as I mentioned earlier, through the revenue <coughs> business, um, structural reforms uh, on the fiscal are designed to improve tax administration. By which I mean the way in which the tax authorities interact with the business sector. So that businesses pay their fair share, they're treated equitably, but they're also not harassed by the, uh, by the tax administration. And the, this is very important. It's an important component for improving economic governance, which is a major challenge <coughs> for Afghanistan. The improvements in tax administration through updating the taxpayer registry, through creating a new unit to assess risks and to, and to
3: assess which, uh, which cases should be investigated to check on
1: compliance, to look for uh, performance indicators for audits done uh, of taxpayers and the action plan to improve customs administration, all of those things will build strength of the tax administration and help it to improve taxpayer compliance and equity among taxpayers in the economy. It will also facilitate um, adapting the tax tax system and the tax administration to changes in the Afghanistan economy um, as they occur. Those, comp- those changes in reforms of tax administration will be complemented by measures to improve public financial management, um, under which the medium-term fiscal framework will be elaborated further and strengthened. Electronic registration of invoices uh, for bills that the government has to pay will be introduced and broadened across the expenditure framework. And there will be quarterly reviews by the cabinet of budget execution. So there's political buy-in to ensure that the budget is being executed as planned by the government and in line with the wishes of the Afghanistan population. Um, These uh, public financial management measures will improve the effectiveness of public expenditure and increase the capacity of the government to actually uh, execute its expenditure. It will also integrate better fiscal policy into the overall economic policy framework and management. Now I'd like to talk about the second group of structural reforms under the program, and they're related to financial sector reforms. Financial sector reform is being pursued so the banking sector can support economic growth by improving financial intermediation and uh, increasing access to finance and ensuring that the financial sector provides credit to the economy to support economic development and growth. First, a new banking law, which is currently in Parliament uh, being discussed and should be passed soon, will promote, uh, will provide a much more robust legal framework for the operations of the banking sector and address some of the weaknesses that were exposed by the Kabul Bank crisis in 2010. Um, Second, the central bank uh, will enhance its bank supervision and enforcement efforts to strengthen the banking system. Uh, It it will also allow uh, the capacity of the central bank supervision department to be enhanced and it will help to improve the management of banks in Afghanistan and their governance. The third area of financial sector reform is to reduce and improve the effect reduce the footprint of and improve the effectiveness of uh, state-owned banks in Afghanistan. Uh, One measure is to move ahead with the privatization of New Kabul Bank. And another one is for another state bank to strengthen the capital position and the management of that bank so that it is more effective in, in providing loans to the economy to support growth. Now I'd like to turn to the third uh, group of structural reforms, which I call economic governance. But as you have heard from the way I described the improved the reforms for tax administration, public financial management, and financial sector governance, all of those. Uh, reforms will impact governments in those sectors but in addition there are some additional reforms that are planned to help (coughs) bolster uh, economic governance by strengthening the anti-money laundering and the countering of the financing of terrorism legal framework and also the anti-corruption framework So, for anti-money laundering, there'll be some amendments made to the law uh, and also some new regulations to help monitor cross-border cash flows to make sure that they are taking place for legitimate purposes and in a way that's economically beneficial. In terms of anti-corruption measures, uh, there will be new legislation to criminalize bribery uh, in certain cases and also amendment of existing legislation that will support regular and prompt asset or wealth declarations by public officials. Um, all of these measures are designed to both reduce corruption <coughs> and improve the business environment, the business climate in Afghanistan, so that it's more friendly for both domestic and foreign investors. Well, that concludes the third part, now I'd like to turn to the fourth part of my presentation, and will make a few concluding remarks. First, the IMF um, is committed to its partnership with (coughs) Afghanistan and will remain closely engaged and offer policy advice and capacity-building assistance to strengthen economic institutions in Afghanistan. Second, the SNP is a welcome landmark. It signals the new administration's commitment to economic reform and to strengthening the economy. It will need persistent and determined implementation uh, efforts by both the government and the central bank. These SAP will also need continued support from donors in the international community. Uh, consistent and effective implementation of the staff monitor program will provide the conditions for high and inclusive growth in Afghanistan and help build prosperity and self-reliance. It will also pave the way for a regular um, IMF program. So thank you for your attention. That concludes uh, my presentation. I just want to finish with a small piece of advertising uh, and this web link, You can find more details about the staff monitoring program, um, uh, that we posted various details of it, an explanation of the program, it includes the governments, the letter the government has prepared, setting out the program itself and its policy intentions, as well as uh, staff analysis, IMF staff analysis of the program, plus some other background information.
0: So thank you again for your attention, and that concludes my presentation. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. That's a, that's a very interesting uh, and, and welcome uh, update. Um, we'll structure this. I'll, I have a couple of things I want to ask you, and then we'll open up uh, for questions in the audience. And, and I should have said at the outset, although I've met a number of people in the audience and know some people in the audience, I should have introduced myself. Uh, my name is Jim Cunningham. Until December, I was the U.S. Ambassador to Afghanistan, and I've joined the Atlantic Council uh, several weeks ago. And among other things, we'll be focusing on leading the Council's programs uh, on Afghanistan. So, for me, having this report is a very uh, welcome update, <clears throat> because as you said, 2014 was a very difficult year, uh, politically uh, and economically, and the political. Uncertainty and, and debate it basically shut down the economy during a, almost a year of transition. But as we see from this update, the economy didn't crash. It's not. It's not crashing. Actually, um, things are slowly righting themselves and moving in the right direction. And there is a uh, there is a new economic team. In place in afghanistan led by a president who understands these things quite well so i'm I'm glad to see that in a a very formal way there is now a program for for moving ahead um let me ask you if i might as as you were discussing with the your the afghan representatives and their outlining their plans to you what would you consider to be the five or six top priorities that uh, they should be focusing on, or are focusing on, as, as they look towards basically uh, trying, to, trying to rebuild an economy without the massive amount of international funding that uh, Afghanistan has had, for better or worse, for the past
1: decade. Um, thank you. I mean, there are a lot of things, a lot of needs in the economy. Uh, so, one could have a very long list, but let me try and talk about what I see as the most important, and I think five or six is a good number, because it's something that one can focus on or manage. I think, first of all, is continuing with macroeconomic uh, stability, because that creates the right background for the investment environment. You really want Afghanistan to attract more investment, so that... Uh, if donors' contributions do go down over time, then the private (coughs) sector can step in and lead growth. Uh, And for that, a a very necessary component is macroeconomic stability. So low inflation, low debt, adequate international reserves, uh, a manageable budget position, a manageable (coughs) external position, which Afghanistan has now. So I think that's one important thing. Second, I think that improving the business climate is absolutely essential through governance reform. And I think that a lot of the things that I've talked about will play a role, but it's much broader than that. So you know, improving the way the financial sector works, improving the way that uh, the Ministry of Finance interacts with taxpayers. Improving the way the Ministry of Finance manages expenditure and making sure it pays its bills on time. Though, you know, improving uh, the anti-corruption legislation and updating the anti-corruption strategy of the government, strengthening the framework against money laundering and countering financing of terrorism. They're all components of addressing governance, but it's much broader than that. You know, it's, there's a lot more in terms of, you know, how the government interacts on a much broader basis with all of its population. Is it doing it in a way that is helping people? Is it a user-friendly government to deal with? Because all of those things will reduce corruption, which Afghanistan, which is a problem for Afghanistan, like for many other countries, and allow uh, people and businesses to get on with producing and adding value and building prosperity. Uh, I think that In terms of looking at the areas to help Afghanistan grow, uh, there's a very young population. They will need jobs. Um, And I think one area that could be developed further that would be employment-rich, potentially, is agriculture. And so I think that's an area that's worth focusing on.
2: Um,
1: Also, Afghanistan is rich in minerals. Uh, It has a very rich geology. And I think there, there are two challenges. One is dealing with the issues of business investment climate so that uh, investors want to make the large investments that are required and are convinced that they will be able to develop mines and other mineral resources successfully and be able to sell uh, their products easily And in that way, they will be able to contribute significantly (coughs) uh, to tax revenues in Afghanistan, which will support further development. But in addition, there's a need for infrastructure. To actually get the products out of those mines and bring them in a cost-effective way to world markets will need significant development of transportation (coughs) infrastructure. So that's another challenge (coughs) that it faces so I think I would stop there, um, but we could continue this with many more points, Jim, but I'm trying to keep the list contained because I think you're right. It's
0: better to focus on a few important things to cover everything. One of the things that I know that President Ghani and his team are, are really focused on is the need, as you said, the need to create a better climate for business and particularly for, for Afghan Business for Afghan money that's now outside the country or being parked someplace else to to come back in and, and uh, generate greater economic activity. Did you have a sense talking to your interlocutors that that they think that that process is is underway? Are they is is there a sense of confidence in the in the Afghan economy is, is growing, or confidence in the government is growing as a as a framework for business activity?
1: I, I think that. When I talk to my counterparts, they're really inspired by the leadership that they have now. And I think they're, they're, they're inspired by that. And when I've been to international conferences and other, other things about Afghanistan, I think that President Ghani has been very successful in showing the world that, that uh, he's leading an administration that's open for business. But there are still a lot of uh, bottlenecks that need to be overcome. And I think that when I talk to my counterparts, I think they're optimistic about the long-term, but they do see some short-term challenges. And I do, I, we did feel in our discussions on the staff monitoring program, that there was a very strong impetus and desire of the new administration to agree something with the IMF as a way of signaling to the world that Afghanistan is open for business and the new administration's determined to
0: proceed with the reforms. Okay, that should be. Uh, They should be publishing the fact of the, of the SMP, I think, in a a way that probably they haven't done. Um, With all the challenges that the government and the business uh, community in Afghanistan are are facing, which are very considerable, a lot of them you outlined, is there, is there a single point of failure, something that has to happen or has not to happen that, uh, Will undo all this, or or are there are there multiple risks and opportunities? Or what I'm going to answer is there yeah. is there, some, is there a, a fundamental thing that needs to happen, that needs to be done or not done that would put peril in peril this this enterprise? Yeah, I think that there the big
1: issues that we see that are uh, are potentially sources of risk are these vulnerabilities I I talked about in the banking sector and uh, on the fiscal side. Now, good progress has been made to start to address those vulnerabilities and that needs to be continued. So for example, the Treasury's cash position has been partially rebuilt already. Similarly, the two banks that I mentioned that faced financial difficulties last year and for whose their capital positions were below the required minimum, well already a lot has been done to rebuild those capital positions more efforts are needed but they're on the
0: right track, they just need to sustain those efforts Okay. Well, I know you're probably not in, in the business of uh, making projections but now that you've had this first round and you've set a program that will be reviewed after June as I thought you said, and looking towards another session in December what, what's your what's your projection for the prospects of this not just your program, the success of your program, but the prospects of through the program and other things generating and accelerating economic growth uh, in Afghanistan? Uh, It's very hard to say. I'm sorry to
1: dodge the question, Jimmy. But um, I think that we have to look at it step by step, in the sense that let's see what gets done in June with our program.
3: There's a meeting
1: of donors in September. Uh, There are a number of other meetings in the pipeline and I think that you know we're seeing now that the cabinet has been formed. I think there's one minister left to be confirmed. Uh, also, a number of other cabinet positions are now being filled. So there's progress is, is underway, there's some momentum. It's really a question of how quickly things move forward and how, how consistently they're implemented, both in the economic sphere and in other spheres, which affect the economy,
0: because they're either political or social. Yeah, well, I understand the difficulty of looking too far into the future. Uh, I have to say, uh, I'm not to minimize the difficulties that uh, Afghanistan is going to face, but I, I am encouraged by by the, by the mere fact that this program exists and the fact that there is finally a, a government in place that can start to act. I know that President Ghani has been very frustrated by that. I also have to say it's an encouraging sign that we have an Afghan leadership that understands business and economics and development, uh, something that President Karzai was not terribly interested in um, during my exchanges with him. In fact, one time he told me he didn't have to worry about the economy because they had $7 billion in reserves, and he would just use that if they needed to. So. It uh, wasn't wasn't very, wasn't very uh, promising exchange. All right. um, so why don't we open it up and go to the audience and ask for some questions. If I would ask, um, when when you're recognized, please state your name and your affiliation, if, or lack of affiliation, sir. Is, is there a microphone or... Yeah. Oh, OK, thank
4: you. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, good morning. Uh, uh, my name is Arnold Zeitlin and uh, I covered uh, Afghanistan for the Associated Press in its golden days in 1970, uh, before the Dowd coup. Um, the uh, program you outlined seems to overlook the fact that Afghanistan is in the midst of a civil war in which the central government has uh, uh, lost control of uh, much of the economy and, and, and territory. And I, I wonder how that is factored into uh, this kind of uh, program. And two, a question I always ask is: uh, uh, China has taken an interesting uh, 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 an, in- an interest in, in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, in la- last year, uh, Ambassador Cunningham has already mentioned that. Um, um, what impact, if any, would that have on? the projection of Afghan's fortunes. Thank you. Um,
1: I think that the the way we've tried to work on the program uh, is in the following way, Uh, to take into account the factors that you've mentioned. mentioned, Is that, first of all, this is the government's program. And we've tried to support the design. So these are things that, that the government has come up with. Uh, as a a, a way that it sees of improving the performance of the Afghanistan economy. Second, there are a number of things in the program which we think are very much within reach uh, and close to being accomplished because the government inherited a certain amount of reform plans that were well-advanced when it came into office. And so some of the measures that are envisaged in the program is to bring those to fruition. For example, the banking law. I mean, that had been prepared a couple of years ago and had gone through a lot of discussion in the Parliament. The Parliament has not changed. So it seems within reach to pass that quite quickly. Um, so that's how it was taken into account. We we looked at you know what the government had prepared itself and we also looked for things where there were, if you will, low-hanging fruit to start a positive momentum to help the new administration move ahead with its economic reforms. Second, on China, China has uh, made some pledges for direct assistance to the budget. As you know, I think that happened late last year when the new president went to Beijing. Uh, and that that's a new development. Moreover, China remains a, an investor, uh, a potential and natural investor in Afghanistan. And I would think that, uh, particularly given China's what I view as hunger for raw materials, and given the fact that Afghanistan is rather resource rich, uh, I would think there's significant potential for Chinese investment in those sectors. And as you know, a Chinese company already did sign up to uh, work on a copper mine in Afghanistan. I would think there will be other opportunities that could attract Chinese investment. And I think that will be both reinforced by uh, foreign relations or diplomatic initiatives on the one hand, as well as improvements
5: in the business environment on the other. Thank you. Next. Yes, sir. Do I need a mic? <coughs> Not um, for hi. us, but for them. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan, um, a recent graduate of Oxford University at Kenyon College. Uh, my question has to do with, um, so SARC, the Association of South Asia, um, that collectively accounts for about, uh, four I think the third or the fourth largest economy in the world, depending on which measure you use. So my question is, to what extent do you think it's important for Afghanistan to sort of um, tap into that association? to getting FDIs from India or to, um, in other ways, cooperate with South Asia and become more regionally integrated. How important do you think it is for Afghanistan, recognising that it's more of a, it's in the periphery of the the South Asian area? And also, um, do you think that apart from joining SARC, um, has there been a lot of um, work by the Afghan government um, to um, facilitate this process? Um, well, Afghanistan
1: is in SARC, as you know, and you know, it's a very large economic block. I think that one of the things that um, Afghanistan sees itself as a potential for, you know, as a hub for regional trade, both with SARC or to SARC or from SARC. So there is potential there. I think the issues there are about you know, again, the types of things that I mentioned in terms of improving governance, making it easier for goods to flow and investment to flow either to or from Afghanistan, uh, and also to develop its infrastructure so that it becomes a more attractive place to ship uh, things through, I think will uh, make it an attractive uh, destination within SARC and also attract uh, investment and trade flows from other countries within SARC. Hello. Martin Peters from the Danish Embassy. Uh, you referred to the need when, when you were asked about the top priorities to do something about the agricultural sector. I imagine there was a thinly veiled reference to the need to address the opium issue in there somewhere. Could you talk a little bit about that?
0: <laughs> uh, I how does opium fit into those production?
1: <coughs> yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes people ask me if they're produced under the influence of that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm sorry, I don't really have the expertise on this. Um, I looked at it from the sort of macro point of view, in terms of employment generation. Now, other donors are reactive uh, in the agricultural sector, and including finding alternatives to opium, but I'm afraid I'm not well-positioned to comment on agriculture or opium.
0: Uh, I will just say that there is, a <coughs> there is a huge impact on the economy from, the, from the, the illegitimate economy, which includes not only opium, but it also includes um, smuggling, um, illegal mines, and a number of other things that the, that's all goes back to the question that Paul was raising about economic governance. And they're, they're all interlinked the illicit trade in various things, corruption, and the stress that puts on legitimate business opportunities, um, even as there's obviously an impact on the economy from that illicit sector. And that's, that's going to be a very long struggle for Afghanistan, as it is for many countries that are dealing with those kinds of issues. Uh, let's see,
2: in the back, all the way. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Lauren Hershey, I'm a semi-retired attorney. Uh, my question is going to be somewhat similar to the first two questions. Uh, I happen to have been a Fulbrighter in South Asia back in 1968-69, and I was in Afghanistan in the good old peaceful days, if you will. Uh, it, uh, I want to ask a point specific about an infrastructure link, and then the broader question. Uh, I had gone through the Salon Pass up to the Amu Darya, and there used to be a railhead from Russia, or the old Soviet Union, if you will, onto the Amu Darya, and then it came down to a place called Cherkov Bandar, and that was meant then to create a trade link all the way to South Asia into India. Uh, so, the point specific question is Has that infrastructure link uh, yet been recreated? I know the Salon Tunnel itself was destroyed at some point during the Civil War in the 80s. Uh, The larger question, though, is Central Asia and Russia, uh, and what is their role either as donor uh, or investor going forward? Thank you. Uh, I'm not familiar with the infrastructure development,
1: so I can't answer that that first part. Um, Russia is um, very involved in Afghanistan. It is not a large donor or investor as far as I know in Afghanistan, but because of the so-called historic links, um, I think that it feels, uh, it, it, it likes to be engaged in Afghanistan, but I haven't seen so far that result in large investments or other financial flows in what, in what we follow. And um, I think at the moment, uh, Russia is, has financial constraints, so I don't know they will be in a position to provide large amounts of aid immediately. That could, of course, change. Uh, with changes in the Russian economy.
2: Are they part of the donor
0: committee? you know? Russia? I, I believe they are, but they're
1: not a large
0: donor. Yeah, they, they, don't play, they don't play a very large role in, in that particular area. Uh, uh, but as Paul said, they, they have a strong political interest in Afghanistan, and there are signs of, from what I've <coughs> the impressed, that there's increasing interest in in Russia, in Moscow, in raising the Russian profile in Afghanistan. Thank you. Uh, yes,
5: over here. Joshua Young, uh, undergraduate research uh, assistant at the University of Richmond. As my question is, uh, this model here is had a trial period in Afghanistan, and given uh, successful
3: outcomes, uh, would it be something replicated in other uh, countries Throughout the Middle East and maybe South Asia are seeking similar outcomes. Uh,
1: thank you. Uh, yes, this this type of program has been used in, in other countries that are trying to uh, create a track record of economic management and policy reform um, in, throughout the world, but both in the Middle East and Africa and other regions.
0: All the way in the back.
2: Hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Mark Schleifer. I'm the regional director for Eurasia and South Asia at SAIP, the Center for International Private Enterprise. Uh, thank you, uh, Paul, for your, for your remarks this morning. Uh, I'm wondering to what extent the mission is engaging with the domestic Afghan business community to try to build support for some of the issues that you, that you touched on, specifically on the financial sector reforms, tax reforms, governance reforms and things of that nature, or is your primary point of dialogue with the government? Thank you. Um,
1: Now, in in most countries, um, our primary point of contact is the government, but we also do try and reach out to a broad group, including the private sector, uh, to explain uh, what we see as uh, the benefits of reform because usually some of the reforms, there's resistance because either they present challenges for certain groups or uh, it's just inertia that there's resistance to change. But usually, you know, although our prime interlocutors is, is either the government or the central bank, we do reach out and talk to the private sector, not just to discuss what, it, what the, the recommendations, but also to understand more about what's going on with the economy from their perspective, because they have often a different and a, a valuable addition to the perspective on what's really going on in the economy.
0: Were there any uh, private sector members of the Afghan delegation that you met with in Dubai or Islamabad? It, it was all government this time, gentlemen. Anyone else? Charles. a <laughs>
3: It's very good to see you again, and uh, nice to hear from you, Mr. Ross. Um, I uh, am Charles and I am actually on the Afghanistan desk at the Department of State, um, and on the political team. So I wanted to ask, um, and I've got a colleague from the uh, economic team here as well. So uh, this uh, question will kind of be for both of us. Uh, to what extent the uh, the various multilateral uh, groupings that uh, have meetings uh, throughout the year and have several coming up this year, the Heart of Asia Istanbul Process Ministerial the uh, Regional Economic uh, Cooperation Conference on Afghanistan and other sorts of regional things uh, can help reinforce um, IMF uh, staff monitor program and what are the other things that the region can be doing to to support these kinds of reforms and make Afghanistan better integrated in the region and a more attractive place for uh, investment and economic growth? Thank you.
1: Thank you. Well, I think that these regional fora uh, can help the economy uh, prosper and grow. Uh, and I think that uh, the, the message is, I think, that many countries in the region uh, have challenges, uh, maybe in a, in a slightly different shape or form or degrees, but that Afghanistan does. So I think the, uh, the ability to, exp- to discuss with countries in the region their experiences, say, with tax reform, public financial management. Uh, reform of, you know, customs administration, uh, financial sector reform, other government's reform, uh, the types of budget policies they pursue. I think there's a lot of a lot of benefit from comparing notes among countries so that they see on a peer-to-peer basis what they're doing and why. And I think that uh, often we we one of the roles we play is to share experiences of other countries and how their reforms have been done to our member countries and then offer it on a sort of a menu basis. Because you know, maybe the IMF can explain what's happened on tax reform in the country A and B, but it's really up to the country itself, in this case, Afghanistan, to decide which elements are best suited to actually be used in their country.
0: Uh, back there.
3: Hi. Gail Maddox, the Naval Academy. Um, I. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about, uh, of course, how many how many troops, how long will we stay, uh, what role will we play, how important is that to these economic reforms? Are they going to stalemate, uh, not move forward if we uh, pull out? <laughs>
1: That's a good question. <laughs> um, Let me talk about one aspect, you know, the fact that there were a lot of foreign troops in Afghanistan clearly injected some money into the economy, which uh, that amount has gone down because some of the money that was being spent on those troops uh, or that the troops were earning, some of it was being spent in the Afghanistan economy. Uh, Obviously, with less troops, there's less of that being spent and that's had some impact on activity. Uh, I think that when you're faced with lower activity, then I, it energizes you to look for ways to try and make the economy grow. So that would be my positive part of it.
0: Yes, sir. Hi. John Sullivan, also with the Center for National Private Enterprise. Capital flight from the private sector. Faith. Listen and has been rumored to be a major problem for Afghanistan. What do you see in terms
1: of the outflow of capital? It's, I mean, By the nature of the beast, it's very hard to, to estimate. It is a problem. It's also a problem tied up with the part of the economy that I don't really know too much about, the opium economy. Okay. Um, but what we are trying to help the Afghan government do is to improve the business environment in that way,
3: bring more of more people into the illicit
1: part of the economy, and also to help them
2: with fighting
1: corruption, either through improving the anti-money laundering framework, or countering the financing <coughs> of terrorism, or by other business kinds of reforms. But this is a challenge that many developing countries face, particularly those that are conflict-affected. So I think, Uh, we're trying to move things to reduce the incentives to make it more interesting for both particularly afghans to invest in their own country rather than to send their money abroad and so that's the thrust of the reforms
0: that
4: we're working with the
0: afghanistan government to implement and that's very much the um, the attitude of president ghani and his and his team and dr abdullah as well as their priority is to Create an atmosphere of greater confidence and, and business climate, so that Afghan, in the first place, it will be Afghan money that goes into the economy, not not foreign investment. Although they're very interested in foreign investment as well, but they believe there are billions of dollars or whatever uh, in Afghan funds that are available for investment if they can, if, if Afghans can be incentivized to invest. Yes, sir.
1: Richard Lee Smith from the British Embassy. Um, I know we very much welcome the establishment of your um, of your programme. So uh, many thanks for that. I wanted to um, just ask about uh, political challenges, and you uh, mentioned that 2014 was a difficult year because of the. Um, of the protracted uh, presidential election, um, you also say that twenty fifteen has been a sort of an, uh, an improvement in, in economic performance. To by some indicators, Do, are you seeing what what what's the um, importance of political stability um, to the economic stability of Afghanistan going forward? Um. I, you know, we hope that there will be a pickup in activity this year and you know we're encouraged because the government is now more or less in place uh, there's a bit more to be done but we think the political political stability will be a very positive factor behind it, economic activity the other component that's very important is security and uh, that that's been a challenge it will probably remain a challenge but I think the issue is the trend rather than the absolute level. You know the, the more stability there is in security, the more political stability, the better it is for confidence and you'll get higher
0: economic activity. Risa.
6: Thank you. Uh, my name is Riza and I uh, serve for the US Embassy and had the pleasure of uh, working in the Cunningham. of I Thank you for the sacrifice you're making in Afghanistan. The Afghan people and the Afghan leader, uh, particularly the new uh, leaders are really appreciating. And, uh, uh, my question is about, you mentioned about 2014, uh, about the uncertainty and the fear of the future. Uh, but still in 2014, there was two major events, the presidential election and the signing of the bilateral security agreement with the United States. It was creating a lot of hope for the Afghans. Uh, what do you see as a uh, some opportunities or events for uh, the future for the Afghans that can uh, sort of like uh, build another c- a kind of confidence and uh, a kind of uh, certainty about the future because the brides in a lot of kind of the economic investment is not really happening in Afghanistan until there is really confidence and confidence believe in the future.
1: Well, I think that um, there will be more big events this year and next. But I think that the emphasis this year, in my mind, is putting conditions in place to let the economy flourish. And I think that, you know, the government has now been formed, um, and I think that this uh, <coughs> stock-monitor program is one component. There will be other, other programs that the government will agree uh, with other institutions and announce. You're seeing now that most ministries are preparing 100-day plans that then mm-hmm. will be renewed and going forward. I think now the emphasis is on building momentum rather than waiting for these landmark conferences. I think the last, you know, we've had those, as you said, there was the London Conference last December. Now I think it, uh, the, the challenge is, is to build on this, to build the momentum, <coughs> to show that things are being implemented and moving forward. Uh, on a consistent basis. I think that will build the confidence and hopefully result in higher growth and and raising uh, living standards for Afghans. Yes, sir.
5: Hi, good morning. Uh, My name is Mike Bindel with CIGAR. Um, I was wondering if the two tests for the SNP, April and December, will be made public um, and second, do you think that uh, postponed parliamentary elections might be a destabilizing um, force on the economy in the near term? Thank you, Mike. Um,
1: in um, the papers, um, the, uh, the papers contain the details of what sort of the wayposts are in terms of the targets and when when they're expected to be implemented, and. Uh, in the past, and I would expect going forward, the, uh, these papers have always been published. So that the, the what we call the first review, that will probably be published in the fall of this time, and there will be a public record so that people could see you know, what was done, what was not done, what, what the reasons were, uh, what the conclusions were. And the same will be true for the second review as well. And the parliamentary
2: elections,
1: that my Sorry, that's not my area. Yeah, it's so. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> too interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right,
4: anywhere
3: else? Uh, back in the corner here. Yeah, Kim
4: and I are at its At our peak uh, involvement in, in Afghanistan, I believe we were spending about $100 billion a year. Um, and I believe at that time, I'm not sure what the year, uh, the uh, the GDP of Afghanistan was estimated at $30 billion a year. I see uh, in 2012 it was $20 billion, uh, which I don't see reflected in your chart, if that's the case, that the GDP declined by a third. Uh, in any case, uh, if, <laughs> if these fees are close to accurate, uh, your statement that the Decreased involvement of the United States, decreased spending on our military uh, involvement, uh, has an effect on the Afghan economy, which seemed to be an understatement. Uh, so could you, yeah, have I, I got it wrong?
1: I, I think we've got different different numbers for GDP, that's the big difference that, you know, in our numbers there's been no decline in GDP. It's been growing quite significantly. So we're starting from different bases. That's why we're at 20-something as opposed to the number (coughs) you mentioned 30. And second, there's a a different concept we're using. GDP is value added rather than just total expenditure. And in the case of the number you quoted for U.S. military expenditure, um, a lot of that money is not spent in Afghanistan and doesn't add value to the Afghan economy. A lot of that money is spent here, say, you know, um, uh, buying weapons, which are terribly expensive. So that doesn't directly impact, that, that expenditure doesn't affect Afghanistan GDP directly. So it's a different concept when you look at what the US has spent on Afghanistan in a given year and
3: the actual GDP of Afghanistan in the same year. Yes, sir. My name is Nthazar and I'm from Afghanistan and work uh, as a high peace council senior advisor. I just Googled the situation of Afghanistan and I found that World Bank said that Afghanistan is the worst place in the world to invest. (laughs) In the Maryland University told that Afghanistan is one of the unhappiest volatile and unstable country in the world. Transparency International also said that it's one of the most corrupt countries in the world. So <clears throat> politics in, in, in economy is intertwined in 21th century and if there is weak, weak economy, political instability comes by itself. Uh, my question is that how and why not the IMF and other donor organizations do not work closely with the media, with a number of other organizations not to project the situation of Afghanistan as grave as this, so the international donors, the international investors should not flee from Afghanistan. So if they flee, definitely the outcome will be worse. So what do you suggest? How this coordination can come to Afghanistan so finally we can move to our shoulder in April, Afghanistan. That's a very big
1: question. Uh, look, I think the we try and work with Afghanistan um, and provide our views on the policies that the government wishes to implement to try and build a more successful economy. And I think some of the surveys you mentioned, the economies that tend to do best in those surveys are those that are growing the fastest and are prospering. And so that's a goal we share with all Afghans and your government and your central bank. I think you know, you've pointed out that in a number of uh, rankings or polls or surveys, uh, Afghanistan hasn't done very well. And I think that we're committed, like I think all of Afghanistan's international partners and the Afghanistan population itself, improving things for Afghanistan. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I'm here, to explain what your government and central bank are doing about the economy and their desire to improve it which is something that's been made very public by your government and even your president. So we're trying to help, uh, but it's a long road, and I understand your frustration that too often one sees the wrong sorts of comments about Afghanistan. No one's pointing out the achievements that many ordinary Afghans actually make every day of their lives. They're only pointing out the bad news. It seems that the news cycle tends to focus on the disasters not on the achievements, both in Afghanistan and every other country. Thank
0: you. By the window. Uh,
5: my name is Muhammad Azimul Ghani. I'm uh, international development intern at Tech Systems Incorporated. Uh, my question is: Has uh, President Ghani's uh, recent initiative to have to reset relations with Pakistan have uh, any impact on the economy? In Afghanistan. Uh, I
1: I think that. It has potential, but it's a very recent announcement, so it's not possible to monitor the economic impact
0: at this stage. Okay, I think that's it. So thank you all very much for coming, and thank you, Paul, for for sharing your insights with us.